Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Sacramento, California is home for Banjo Bones, where he has released five previous albums and currently number six, just released on October 31st, entitled Lucifer's Hands. It's true to his tagline, The Dark Side of Americana. It's edgy and mysterious, and it's the subject for this edition of Americana Music Profiles, as Banjo Bones and I talk about his career and his latest release. Hello, Banjo. Welcome to the podcast today. Good morning, Greg. Yes, sir. Good to connect again. It's been a little while. We've done this before, but I think it's probably two years, looks like. Yep, yep. That's about right. And uh, normally two years is a long time, but after this year, it feels like it could could be (laughs) ten years. (laughs) Right, right. With the way things have changed and as crazy as it's gotten. So, um but uh, so for folks that want to go back and and uh, check out our previous conversation, uh, they can go to the website and just um, uh, search Banjo Bones, and it, it'll take them back about uh, uh, 16, 18 months, I think, and they can they can check that out. But just in case, um, give us just a brief uh, uh, background on on yourself, and um, you've been in Sacramento, I think, uh, eight years. Is that right? Well, actually, yeah, I was just looking at my bio this morning. It says eight years, but it's actually been closer to ten. I moved here uh, at the uh, at the very tail end of 2010, beginning of 2011. So it's nine, pushing ten. Yeah, yeah, all right. It's my home base now. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm originally from Puerto Rico, but I, I've lived in and out of Puerto Rico all my life. Um, and, and I was uh, calculating the other day that more than half my life I spent away from Puerto Rico, and I'm 55, so that, that's a gigantic portion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and especially of my adult life. So my my adult life, I've been out, out of Puerto Rico for the most part. Um, and uh, not necessarily in the States, although I spent a significant amount of time in the United States. I, I lived in Japan and in other places as well. Um, and you know, that's, uh, it's been, uh, an enrich, uh, enriching, um, uh, experience for, as far as music is concerned, because sure. I'm very influenced by everywhere I've lived. And, um, give us a, uh, kind of remind us how, how this whole musical journey started for you in the beginning. So, yeah, I would, I, you know, I, as with everybody that's a musician or pretty much everybody that's a musician, I started off in a cover band in high school. 
um, I was fortunate enough to hook up with these guys who were a lot older than me. I, I was four, 14 or 15 at the time, and they were all way past 25. The oldest was 33. And they were really experienced. Wow. In fact, one of them was a semi-celebrity uh, in Costa Rica. Uh-huh. And, um, and, uh, and, and I, it, that was a very fortunate experience for me because I got to learn a lot from them on how to, how to behave, how to, uh, you know, how to conduct myself professionally as a musician. And at 15, you know, that that's just a golden, golden lesson to learn, especially sure. from somebody who's not necessarily teaching you. They're just showing you by example. Um, so that was uh, that, that was really cool. I fast forward from that, and I, I, I actually at the tail end of high school, when I was a senior in high school, I started my first originals band. Because writing, I mean, I'm, I'm an okay guitarist and a very marginal singer, but songwriting is the one thing I'm very proud of. It's the one thing that I do, I think I do well. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was something I, I was interested in from very early. Um, and I got it, you know, it was a very, it was a three-piece heavy metal-ish band. It was, it was funny. It was, I looked back and it was terrible, but it was a great experience. It was a learning experience <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, and then my first real, real professional, serious band where we were trying to make it, whatever make it meant at that time, uh, was in the early 90s. And it was a post-punk band called Fensara, and we did a lot of touring. Uh, we were together for about three years, and, and it eventually imploded. You know, we, I, I was the oldest guy in the band, I was 26, and the other guys were like 19 and 20, and they just didn't have the maturity to be able to, 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 to deal with, with how hard it really is to be on the road all the time. Right, right. Um, so that, that imploded eventually. And then um, because of that experience, I kind of walked away from music for a while. I, I was so devastated. It coincided with a divorce as well. So kind of my life just kind of fell apart all at once. And I walked away from music. I literally sold all my gear except for one acoustic guitar that wow. I kept in the closet. And then uh, when I got married to my present wife in 2000, she's a music fan, and she knew I was a musician at one point, and she started egging me on to get back into it. And <laughs> slowly cool. but surely, I, I did get into it. Uh, not only did I get into it, but I, you know, now I've, I've gotten more serious than ever uh, with music. Um, and uh, and that that's where Banjo Bones came from. I, it was a, you know, it, it was a combination of a realization um, and, and a new interest, because we talked a little bit about this last time, um, but we, uh, I discovered uh, bluegrass uh, by accident. In right, first, uh, I remember Virginia. that, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, I was, fascinated by it and that that influenced a lot of what i did especially at the very beginning of, of banjo bones um but i didn't really want to box myself into a genre and and, and i um I, I i strategically chose americana as my genre because i think of all the genres i think americana is the most flexible and forgiving you sure know? it incorporates yeah. so many things right, so many different right. things so that's that that was my primary reason for for doing that and um Five albums later, uh, and about eight years later, uh, here I am <laughs> with Banjo Bones. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're reconnecting on uh, what I believe will be your sixth, right? Is that the, the yes? Yeah, yes. yeah, and uh, Lucifer's Hand. Um, that's a kind of a, a interesting title. How did you choose that? Where where does that point? So I it, it started I. Well, let me give you some background. I, I went to Catholic school when I was uh, from fourth to ninth grade. I went to Catholic school, okay. and um, I am not a, a religious person. Certainly not a dogma oriented. But um, 
but of course I was I was forced to take uh, religion in all my years there and, and whatever. And so I, it's always been a very present uh, philosophical question in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not just about whether there's a God or not, but how we conduct ourselves and why we conduct ourselves the way we do. And and one thing that I always found very interesting I, was that I, I thought it was a bit of a cop out to blame everything we do on the devil. Yeah, right, <laughs> and, right, and I was sure. like, you know, you, you, yeah, you need to be looking inside and figure out why the hell you're saying the things you're saying, doing the things you're doing, you know, that that's on you. I'm sorry, I'm just, I, I think it's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's kind of what triggered this, and I what I did is I, I, I put together a collection of songs that either dealt directly with that question or indirectly, you know, a lot, you know references to, you know, the, the fear of going to hell and... and you know, I just I, I kind of resent anything that's fear based as a persuasion, and right. I, so that that to me is uh, okay. I, you know, I guess I guess I guess I never I've never grown out of my punk rock roots. I just resist all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you set down with a with this theme in mind? And because you, you spoke a few minutes ago about how the songwriting is really kind of the thing for you, did you? Um, are these songs that you've kind of kept in a folder and they all seem to have a theme, or did you intentionally write with this theme in mind? No, that, that's a great question, Greg. It, it's actually a combination. So as I mentioned right before we got into this, um, I, I'm up at 5.30 every morning, and I, I block two hours, the first two hours of my day to write. Whether I got something or not, I write. I write okay. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of it is crap and ends up in the cutting floor, and some of it is good. But what I end up with is a database of lyrics and songs, rough ideas for songs. Yeah. Um, and then when I when I get this feeling that okay, I, I got an album in me somewhere, and I, and I have something I want to say, I look through my database and see what songs are associated with that, and then polish them up, finish them up, etc. But it also triggers new writing. So I would say about. Maybe about twenty five percent of songs that come from the database, and seventy five percent of the songs on any given release are new songs that I wrote for that particular release, and okay. that's the case here as well. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, the title song "Lucifer's Hand" was written for this album. That wasn't that didn't come out in the database. That that was, and you know, that was kind of the first song I actually wrote. I said, "Hmm, I think I got something here. Let me see where I can take this." And what what kind of time frame are you working with from the time that you feel like? This is the direction this album goes until you feel like you have a finished collection of music to get to the studio with. Um, because I'm writing all the time, the writing doesn't take as long as you might think because a lot of it is written or, or the, the ideas are pretty fleshed out and developed already. Um, so it's a matter of polishing them. Um, if that wasn't the case, it would be a lot longer. But typically, anywhere between six and eight months to put an album together, between the writing, the tracking, the mixing, the mastering, production, the whole works. And are you, you mentioned um, that, that you also do some studio production work. Were you able to do all of that for this record, or do you bring in outside help with this? No, I self-produce. Um, I, 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 I hire some musicians for this, uh, to come in and play some parts. I have a couple of bassists I like to work with. Certainly the violin player is a constant in my album since since Cowboy Dreams, uh, which is uh, three or four albums back. Um, so he's a constant. Um, I have a harmonic player I like to work with. And the, the star of this of this new record, as far as I'm concerned, is the guy I just hooked up with, which is the pedal steel guy that plays on two songs. And, yeah. and I, that was... 
that was a, a whole new level of thing. I, you know, I got to say this, man. I've always liked the pedal steel guitar. I had no idea how it worked until this guy came into the studio and explained it to me. And it is the most complicated thing in the world. He's actually using both both his hands, both his legs to, to, to manage the pedals. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's a lot of moving parts, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, I, yeah. I, I really, uh, the sound... Um, without del- delving into the lyrics which is another layer of that mu- musically um uh, with without trying to pigeonhole at all it has this uh, buffalo springfield 70s feel um in in the instrumentation and um i'm a i'm a sci-fi nut and there's a there's a, a series called uh firefly that um was kind of this space western and um i i, I hear hints of the style of music that was in that series coming through on this project. So there's, it's got this, there's a lot of layers going on in, in it, um, additionally to the lyrics. And so I, I, I mean, you really did a good job with it. I, I hats off to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it, it's a really interesting process for me because on many levels, it's a, it's a, it's a weird process because for one thing, for one thing, it's it's a. I, I think one of the, uh, the I, I call it the independent artist dilemma, um, is is that when you're when you're creating in the process of creating something new, you have to disassociate yourself from from the public. Meaning, you right. can't think about what people are going to like or not like. You can't be worried about it. You're just creating something. Yeah. But then, at some point, when you start polishing it up and thinking of how to market it. You have to switch hats and think, okay, how do I make this appealing to as many people as mm-hmm. I possibly can? Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's a very contradictory set of, you know, rules that you have to play by. Um, but in the, in the studio, as wearing both the, the, the uh, producer's hat as well as the artist's hat, it's similar because I, I, on the one hand, I'm very attached to the songs that I hear. They're like children. If you ask me which is my favorite, I, I can never pick one because I, you know, they're all my favorites. I yeah. love them all. <laughs> but as yeah. a producer, you have to look at these things objectively and decide, okay, this song needs to be number three or number one in the in, okay. in, in the order because it's a strong song, whatever. And and I, to be honest, uh, Gary, I don't I don't do that just by myself. I have something I I, I affectionately call the soundboard, and I pick ten people. And it's always different people, okay, um, cool. and that are that are not musicians; they're just music fans. And I send them my my draft uh, master to and say, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think is the strongest song? What do you what would you like to see a video of? And things like that. And I get that feedback, and, and that helps me make some smarter decisions down the line. Are these songs? Um you mentioned order uh, of of how they go on the on the record itself. Do, do they uh, are they all isolated or do they actually build on each other? Is it like a story form through from song one to the end, or 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 do they you know can you can you grab song eight and grab song four and grab song seven and and not have them have to tie together? I've done both in releases, and this particular one, um, it, it doesn't follow a storyline order uh, per se. I, it's more of a of an aesthetic element. So I wanted to hit up front with something that moved. That's why I chose the first song, the song I chose. I wanted it to be punchy and short. You uh-huh. know, I didn't want it to drag on too long. Yeah. 
Um, and, and then I followed it by what I think is the eerie song in, in the album, just to make a contrast. Um, and then I get into what I think are the, the, the what I call the sellable hits, right? For, <laughs> for, two, for, for three, four, and five. Yeah. And then it goes from there. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, man. I tell you, I, I'm I'm often very surprised at how what what the fans and the public think is the great material, and and very often I end up with somebody that a lot of people that really like song number nine on the album or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And yeah. I know this. I would have moved that up front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, given the the state of the world with the pandemic and and artists not being able to get out and and share their music and in the uh, settings that we're used to how does it look for you to to promote this and and be able to expose it to to the fans that has been my biggest challenge in this one because um i i had almost a formula when it came to releasing um you know where i had i had my typical contacts that i send directly to of course you're one of them um i and i have you know i i I, I had a record release party at a venue here. I have a deal with them that it's a free because I want all, as many people to show up as sure. possible. Yeah. So I make it a free show. Um, you know, and all of that kind of went belly up with this whole situation. Uh, some of my contracts that I used to have are no longer this, you know, it's, it's know. that bad, right? I know, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so um, I've been looking into live streaming uh, a show, but to, to be honest, Greg, I... I've seen live streaming done really well and really bad, and yep. I, I think I lack the technical chops to do it well, and I refuse to do a half-assed job. Yeah, That's I understand. That's not something I'm willing to do. Sure. Um, so I'm trying to see if I can partner with somebody that has a setup. I actually found some folks here, and really close to my home, actually, um, who do this. For you know, they, they, this, It's a venue that, because they're closed, they're doing live streaming shows, so they got to do okay. that. Uh-huh. So we're, we're we're in talks and discussions now, and, and I'll, I'll I'll get to that. So hopefully, before the end of the year, um, there may be a, a, a live stream show uh, that I can promote. Um, but but I I'm hitting Facebook really hard. I'm sure people are finding me annoying as hell because every day something comes out about the new <laughs> yeah. album. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've revamped my website. Um, I've created better online stores uh, that give more access to information or easier to use, et cetera. So I'm trying to do it that way, trying to uh, capitalize on the virtual world as much as possible. Did you release them, uh, the whole album, together? Or, or are you singles at a time? How, how how are you getting them out in that fashion? I actually... I, I, it's. I actually release the album all at once, but what I do is I market songs individually. Okay. Um. So, so when it comes to the marketing advertising project, I'll focus on a song for a couple of weeks, then I'll I'll move on to the next one and go that route. And and that that works. That's worked pretty well for me. Um. I I once uh, I I got the opportunity to meet uh, the director of the Carnegie Hall in New York. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah, it was it was really cool, and it was a. It was a tour of the facility, and he noticed that I was a musician because of the questions I was asking. And he said, hey, if you want five minutes to one one later, you know, just hook me, look me up after we're done. So I did. And um, one of the advice he gave me was, look, you know, in this day and age, I mean, sell your music, that's fine, but give it away. Just put your music absolutely everywhere you yeah, can put it. Yeah. And the other thing is, don't focus so much on CDs. People are buying singles. People are focused on singles. So, you know, it, it, I get it if you want to make a CD, but market it as singles. So right. he's the one that planted that idea uh, uh, on my head, and, and I followed it. Yeah. And it's worked. It's worked. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I like the fact that you you did a collection of songs, more than just two or three. I, you know, as a um, as an older person in my fifties, an older listener. You know, I've I've enjoyed the different formats and mediums of music, and um, I I think there's still an audience there that wants to hear more than the your three best songs. You know, I think right. they they like to kind of get that whole listening experience of song one to song eleven, or you know. Know, the the full the full length long playing record as the LP you know stood for um, so I, I I'm glad that you did that thank you I, and I'm, I'm my experience is the same as yours um, I I have um, some some people that follow me some fans that follow me that I I call them that I, I keep them they're part of this generation and they're more inclined to buy a single or whatever but for the most part the, the people that follow me are are more interested in in the whole experience and they're they want a deeper story than just, you know, a catchy song. To, you know, they, and, and so it's just very interesting. I, you know, I, I can't remember if you talked about this last time, God, but I've been blessed and cursed by being a musician's musician. So I have a lot of followers that are musicians and a lot of people think that's a kiss of death <laughs> 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 because that, that means the public's not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, yeah, a lot of my musician friends definitely appreciate, um, the fact that I do full albums, um, rather than singles. Well, I, I think it gives the listener, I mean, I know we live in this age where it's microwave, fast food, you know, uh, right. one and done kind of thing. I mean, even even college sports, you know, get your freshman year in, get everybody to notice you and move on to the pros. And um, I I think what happens, though, is is if, if, if your pro year isn't a good year, you're, you're done. People forget about you. You'll never talk about you again. And uh, by by doing a longer record like this, by giving people more, you know, maybe they don't like song one, two, and three. And, and you know, like you said, it's song nine that really gets their attention and it makes them want to hear the rest <laughs> of the record. So, you know, right. you, that, it gives you a greater chance at, uh, at having, having a listener find a favorite uh, if you give them more to choose from. For sure, for sure. So uh, the again, the new record is Lucifer's Hand. If I've got this right, it came out October thirty first. So it is available. Yep. What's the best way for people to reach you, listen to the record, maybe dig deeper into your catalog? So I think the easiest way, because I spent so much time updating it, is to actually go to the website banjobones dot com, and uh, and I it's got a store there. It's got a streaming uh, app that you can just stream some music if you want to listen to it. And if it catches your attention and you want to buy it, there's links right there to buy the CD or the download. Uh, it's all in there, and it's very easy to use. So I made it extremely user-friendly. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks, Banjo. It's been good to catch up with you again. I appreciate you uh, letting us uh, help you with this uh, new record and, and uh, certainly wish you well with it. We definitely really enjoy it. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, man. What, what you guys do is extremely important to us independent artists, and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you for that, too, man. Have a great holiday. We're talking right before Thanksgiving, so we wish you well, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 